Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Turn to James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, and then we'll go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Talking about persistence tonight. Everybody say persistence. Persistence. It's a simple word. It's kind of has a lot of synonyms, a lot of words that go along with it, but I want to just focus in on this word tonight. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Everybody say rain. Rain. I like the rain. You also should be patient, just like the farmer, is what Paul is telling Excuse me, is what James is talking about. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, this is where Paul is writing to Timothy. But ye be watchful in all things. Everybody say watchful. 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 Open up your eyes in everything. Endure afflictions. Everybody say endure. endure. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Everybody say fulfill my ministry. I'm going to fulfill my ministry. How many believe that you have a ministry? It's not just behind a pulpit. It's not just holding a microphone. It's not just just teaching a Sunday school class, but we are all called to disciple others and disciple ourselves and to be a light in the shining, a shining light in the dark world. For just a few minutes, I want to talk to you about a subject that I think is crucial for us as a church. It's, it's always crucial, but I think at this point in time, where we are as a church, we are, we are becoming a multi-generational church. You, you hear us say that word all the time, all the time. We, we, we are nearing the quarter century mark of a church. We are almost 25 years old. That means we have some old people among us, and that means we have some young people among us, and some of the young people among us are, are having kids and, and making it just, just a full house. And I believe our house is going to increasingly fill up because young couples are going to do what young couples do, but also we're going to have people that are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost at these altars. And I'm thankful for all the growth that we are seeing at our church. And growth, healthy growth, happens because we are persistent about doing what we know we should be doing. James explained that we must wait patiently for the coming of the Lord. How many believe that the coming of the Lord is quick? How many believe that we could very well see the coming of the Lord in our lifetime? It might be that the Lord comes tonight. It might be that the Lord comes tomorrow. It might be that He comes next week or next year or the next 10 or 15 years. But it is a very real possibility that we are alive for the coming of the Lord. And I'm perfectly alright with that. That doesn't scare me, but that makes me happy. That makes me happy and confident in the fact that I'm going to do everything that I know that I should do. James went on to say, you should wait patiently for the coming of the Lord just as the farmer waits patiently for his harvest. You see, a farmer is totally dependent upon the blessings of God. Whether a farmer be a Christian, a Muslim, a Buddhist, uh, a pagan, whatever you call it, uh, 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 whatever title you can put up 
uh, before or behind or above or underneath a, a farmer's reign. He may not even realize it, but he is 100 uh, he is 100% dependent upon the blessings of the Lord. And I think that's a good place for you and I to be as Christians. Uh, that's a good place for you and I to live. That We should be 100% dependent upon the Lord. If the Lord doesn't fight my battles, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. If the Lord doesn't provide and if the Lord doesn't order my steps, uh, I don't know where I'm going to go. I want my steps to be ordered uh, of the Lord. Therefore, I am 100% dependent uh, upon the guiding of of the Lord, upon his guiding, upon his leading in my life. Just like the farmer is dependent 100% upon the blessings of God, that means he's dependent upon sunshine. That means that he needs the rain. That means he needs the miracle of the life that's going to uh, that's going to bust forth from the seeds uh, that he plants. You see, the farmer cannot force growth. Uh, he, he, he cannot force growth to take place, uh, but must allow it to develop and unfold naturally. He can't make the seed grow. Yet, that does not mean that he sits by idly and waits for God to work. Every day, that farmer has to get up and tend to his crops. A farmer has a hard life. He, and really, all, essentially all he does that really matters is he plants the seed and then he harvests the seed. But it's the work that's in between that is the most crucial. He has to water the seed. He has to fertilize the seed. He has to keep a close eye on the seed. You see, the farmer cannot do what God must do. He can't do it. But God will not do what the farmer can do. God will not do that. God, you will not see God out. If you drive down 59 South, my wife's grandparents live down in the valley. And if you go down 59 South, starting just a few miles south of Richmond, from Richmond all the way down to Corpus Christi, all you pass is harvest fields. All you pass is wheat fields, cotton fields. In Kingsville, where my wife's grandparents live, all there is is there's a big ranch called the King's Ranch, which most of you have heard of. There's a lot of deer. There's a lot of animal. Uh, there's a lot of rich country people down there, but then there is a lot, a lot, a lot of cotton fields. But you will not see God robed in flesh. You will not see Jesus out watering the crops. You will not see that because he has given the farmer utilities. He has given the farmer capability to water the harvest that God intends to grow. That same principle must be applied to the church of the living God. You see, we were rooted in Christ. We were born again. And now we are growing. It's our harvest time. But we cannot just wait for the coming of the Lord to come. We must continually water that which God has given us to water. We must continually sow the seed. We must continually sow the word of the Lord in our community. We must continue to disciple those that come and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God cannot do that. He can, but he will not because he has placed you and I on this earth to do that. Therefore, it is important for you and I to live 100% every day. You see, if a farmer is sick, if a farmer doesn't feel good, guess what? He still has to get up and tend to the crops. That's why it's so very important, even for when you don't feel good, if you're going to get up and you're going to go to the store, you need to put a smile on your face because you are a witness. You are a living testimony. The, uh, the greatest message you preach will not be one behind a pulpit or on a stage, but the greatest, uh, the greatest message you preach is the life that you live outside of 
this campus. It's important, it's important that we wake up every day regardless of how we feel, regardless of the circumstances that we face. It's important that we be persistent about furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was no other mission for the church but to further God's will for his kingdom. And that is that the lost may be found. The Great Commission is our why. I got a little ahead, I just got a little bit ahead of myself. But everything we do must be surrounded around the Great Commission. The songs that we sing are surrounded around the Great Commission. The reason why we, the reason why we have hospitality teams is to fulfill the Great Commission. The reason why we go out into the world with a smile on our face and we pay our bills on time and we are good stewards of our time, of our money, of everything is because we are to fulfill the great commission and we don't know what we do that's going to cause attention and start a conversation with someone who is hungry and wants what we have. Can I get an amen? Because of this, the farmer works diligently and at the same time waits patiently. That sounds like an oxymoron. He works diligently but yet he waits patiently. The combination of a diligent effort and patience is persistence. The combination of diligent work, hard work, and patience is persistence. You see, the Christian life requires persistence. Jesus taught that we should persevere. And Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, Then he spake a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. We must be persistent in our prayer life. We must be persistent in our fasting. We must be persistent in our personal development as a Christian. We are not just supposed to believe that there is a God and accept that he is God. No, that is the first step. But then we move to repentance. But we don't just dwell at repentance. Then we have to be baptized in the only name, the only Savior name, that's the name of Jesus, and then we move to the next step, and that's that we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and that's evidence by speaking in tongues, but that is just the first three or four steps in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Then we have to continue to live a life of holiness. We have to be holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Seek holiness with all things. We must be holy. Not only should we be holy, but we should make peace with all men, with all men, we should be peaceful. We should be peaceful people. Not only did Jesus teach the need for persistence, uh, but the apostles also taught us to persevere. Not only in word, but in their lifestyles. The apostles uh, were perseverant people. They persevered all kinds of good things, but also bad things. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14 says, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's very famous words from the Apostle Paul. Despite persecution that he went through, the apostles continued to preach and teach daily in the temple, but not also, they, uh, they not only taught in the house of God, but they also went house to house. Acts chapter 5 verses 40 through 42 explains this. This is right after the birth of the church. This is right after Acts chapter 2. And they agreed with him. Everybody say him. 
And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. They should not even say the name of Jesus, much less teach his, uh, uh, much less preach his teachings and, and, and the spiritual concepts that he discipled the apostles uh, to teach. Uh, so they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and so they let them go, thinking that this beating, this persecution that they gave to the apostle Paul and the other apostles would work, uh, but they did not know that there was some perseverant Christians. There was some people that had made up their mind that no matter what comes my way, I'm going to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That is a whole sermon right there. We should count it all joy when we go through problems. That the Lord trusts us enough that we can make it. That he believes in you enough that you're going to make it through that valley that you're going through. No matter where you're at tonight, rest assured that you are going to make it. Lift up your eyes to the hills from where your help comes from. You are not, you're not fighting a losing battle. I know from your perspective it looks like the enemy has the high ground and you're in a valley. And there's an all out attack on you. But you are not on the losing side if your life is 100% committed to the ways of the Lord. You're not going to lose. I don't care how bad it gets, but you will not lose. And so, so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name. And daily in the temple and in every house, everybody say every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You see, the apostles were not only preaching to Gentiles, but they were also preaching to the Jews who believed, who, who, who believed in God, but they, did, uh, but they do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. To this very day, Jews do not believe that. They are waiting on the Messiah, but they do not believe that Jesus is uh, the Messiah. So the apostles were teaching to the sinners. They were preaching to the sinners. Uh, they were in Rome. They were, uh, they were all over Persia. They were all over the Middle East, uh, Africa. They, uh, they were preaching and teaching, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in every temple that they could find, uh, in every place, in every house. They were teaching the, uh, uh, the principles of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ died for our sins, and because he died for our sins, we do not have to live a life of sin. We have an escape for our sin because of the blood of the Lamb, and that Lamb is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, robed in flesh, who is God. There is only one God. I'm thankful for that. But just as the apostles found every temple that they can find to teach and preach in, and they went house to house, uh, 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 teaching and preaching, uh, uh, teaching and preaching what Jesus had commanded them to, uh, uh, to do, I believe it's equally important for us in 2015 to practice this concept. Our church will never have revival if our homes are lacking revival. Our church, I've said this many, many times, our church is only as healthy as the weakest home in our church. That, that's as good as we will ever be. That's as good as we will ever be. That ought to be motivation for you to not be the weak link. Everybody say, don't be the weak link. Don't be the slacker in the church. Don't be, 
don't, uh, 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 don't be the person that can't get your act together. We should all live up to our best standard. We should raise the bar in our personal life to give God everything we have. I know we are all busy. I know we are all hectic. I know that life gets crazy and life gets hard. But if we can't run to Jesus, who can we run to? If we can't serve Jesus with everything that we have, who can we really serve? What can we really serve that is going to give us the dividend, that's going to pay us the reward of an eternal home? This world is not our home. Let me remind you, we are just passing through, Brother McMahon. This world is not my home. I am a pilgrim in a foreign, in a foreign land. Don't set up shop here. I say this often. The New Testament is very clear that the apostles persevered in their ministry despite intense opposition and hardship. Everybody say hardship. They were beaten, they were slandered, they were taken advantage of, and yet they did not let that stop them from furthering the cause of Christ. At one point, Paul found himself in one city, at one school, teaching for two years. Two years at one place. He was an evangelist, he was an apostle, he wasn't a pastor. Paul would... Paul would go into a city that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and he would start what we would call in 2015 a home group, a cell group, a small group. And he would disciple them and out of that group would rise up a teacher and a preacher and that preacher was responsible. That preacher was now the missionary to that city. But Paul found himself at this school for two years teaching and preaching. You know he had to be going nuts. He was a mover and a shaker. He, 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 he was like what a modern day evangelist was. He just hopped around and, and that's how God had wired him. And obviously it worked because look, we're here today. He planted churches and now what he planted has reached the entire world thousands of years later. But he stayed there. He persevered through the end, through hard times when he was beaten and acting. Acts chapter 5, he got up and ran straight to the house of God. When he endured the most intense persecution, he was bruised, he was battered, he was wounded, he did not lay around, but he got up and he went to the next house. And he said, I know this man named Jesus, and I was once a murderer myself. My name was once Saul, and I persecuted the very people that I now train today. I persecuted the very same people that Jesus died for and Jesus lived with and Jesus trained but God turned my life around and if God turned a murderer's life around sir what can God do for you and such were some of you in this room tonight but you were bought you were changed you were bought with a price and your life is now not your own so we must not live our life according to our own desires but we must live our life according to the concepts and the precepts and the principle of the word of God and that number one and that number one commission is for us to go and make disciples so what does that mean for us what does that look like that means that, that we must be persistent everybody say persistent 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. You can apply that to your life tonight. This, uh, 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 this next set of scriptures, you can do the exact same. Just a few verses later, verses 11 through 13 says, 
For, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. And the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life is also working in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. No matter where we go, we should speak the good news of Jesus Christ. Can I get amen? No matter what your circumstance looks like, Jesus is the right name to speak. No matter what they're saying at your job, no matter how they act at your job, no matter how they act in your school, Jesus is the right name to say. And I'm thankful that we have that name. Moving on. Building a career is hard work. Can I get an amen? Is anybody just right smack dab in the middle of your career? You've been working for years and years and years, and you can't wait to retire, but you are not yet at that point. Uh, see, building a career is hard work. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes patience. Uh, it takes persistence. The exact same thing can be said for growing a church, for growing the kingdom of God on earth. Uh, nothing grows unless it is watered, cared for, and made a top priority in our life. The reason some of your careers are flourishing is because you make it a top priority in your life. It is not the top, but it is a top priority. Because you devote time to it. You give it some of your best energy, some of your best hours. And some of you are at the prime of your career. And God is blessing you. And God is flourishing. And I celebrate that with you. But the same principle applies to the church. When someone gets a raise on their job, we automatically know that they have been working hard. Right? You've been working hard, and so the boss man or woman said, let's reward you. Increase in finances and responsibility in the workforce is directly related to our work ethic. It's Wednesday night. We're not going to swing from the chandeliers. Sometimes we have to be real. So if you're slacking on your job, quit slacking on your job. You should be the hardest worker on your job. You work hard, and you get compensated appropriately. Imagine that. Imagine that. You become lazy, you get terminated. When we hear reports of great revival and great growth, we should rejoice in that. Whether it's our church or somebody else's church. I never want to be angry because someone else is finding success. If I hear that my coworker gets a raise, I want to celebrate their raise. Come on, somebody. We can't be bitter people. We can't be envious people. We can't be jealous people. If your neighbor is crying, you better cry with your neighbor. Because one day you're going to be crying and you're going to need somebody to cry with you. If you want somebody to celebrate your successes in life, whether it be in your career, in your family, in your marriage, in your finances, or around your church. If you want someone to celebrate with you, you better celebrate with somebody else. So with that being said, we should not think that just because our church is growing doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything. Doesn't mean that we can start taking shortcuts. No, in 2015, it's still going to take the same thing to grow the church that it did in Acts 2. It's still going to take prayer. It's still going to take fasting. It's still going to take sacrificing. If you go read the book of Acts, the church got together and they sold every possession that they had so they can put their money together and further the gospel and fund the missionaries, fund the apostles, fund the new temples, fund the new churches that were starting. I don't know 
exactly how that looked because obviously I wasn't there. But I have to believe that some people sacrificed greatly while others sacrificed little. But I have to believe also in my spirit that those that sacrificed greatly received a much more greater reward. And they were probably much more encouraged because they had made the house of God and the things of God their number one priority. Let me say this tonight that is not in my notes. If you have very little satisfaction in your life, I question you and I ask you to sit down and take inventory of your life and where is the majority of your time going? Where is the majority of your money going? Where is the majority of your talent going? If those three things are not going directly to the kingdom of God, you will never have real satisfaction. You will never have real joy. You will never have real success in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. You cannot take a shortcut around the infallible, inspired word of God. We still have to live our life according to the Word of God. That means the Old Testament, and that means the New Testament. That means Deuteronomy 6 and 4 is still true. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But if that verse is true, and that is a core verse that forms our monotheistic doctrine, that we believe in one God and not three or four or multiple gods, that means that just a few chapters later, Deuteronomy 22, 5 instructs men to dress like men and women to dress like women. That means that that is also true in 2015. It's not that when you come to church and get the Holy Ghost, you have to immediately abide by a legalistic list of rules. That is not the case. And if you live and dress and act and talk just so you can be accepted around the house of God, you might be accepted around the house of God, but you will not be accepted into the pearly gates of heaven if you have a legalistic mindset. But regardless of all of that, I I want it to be in my spirit. I want to live holy. I want to act holy. And I want my life to revolve around the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God in this day for you, if you call this your, if you call this church your home, the kingdom of God for you means 1612 Oddfellow. It means the programs that are uh, 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 that are branched out of this church. It means that God will sustain you where he planted you. If you got the Holy Ghost here, unless, uh, unless God moves you or the job moves you, you should stay right here and be faithful. I'm not bashing people or churches tonight. I'm just saying that if the Lord planted you somewhere, he can sustain you. That goes back to our text that we read in James. Uh, James said, uh, James said, the planter, uh, 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 the farmer, he, he he plants the harvest, he plants the seed, and then he works diligently for his reward. The reward is the harvest. The reward is the day that he goes and he picks all of his harvest and, and he sells it to the market. That is his reward. Uh, our reward is that we are faithful to the house of God. This is our field. This is where God has planted us, and we are faithful until we are picked up out of this field. Field, and then when we are picked up out of this field, our reward is the eastern sky. Our reward is heaven. Our reward is pearly gates. Our reward is no more crying, no more tears, no more cancer, no more loss of jobs and loss of friends and broken homes and broken churches and broken emotions and broken finances. Our reward is a much better place. But for us to get to a much better place, we have to be content 
and persistent in the bad place that God has planted us. That is where we must, we must flourish. Woo, that felt good. Everybody say amen. When we hear, excuse me, uh, let's move on. I just talked about that. Two, two truths to recognize in a growing life, whether it be a career, a family, or a growing church, a growing kingdom, is this. Number one, everybody say number one. Nudge, uh, nudge your husband and wife and make sure that they're awake. Someone has generally labored diligently over an extended period of time laying the foundation for promotion. For you to get a raise on your job, you didn't just work hard for one week. It was consistent. It was you persevering. It was persistence on your part that when you didn't feel good, you were still there. If you could work from home and you were sick, you opened up your laptop in the bed and you were working from home. You were sending emails. You were logged on to the network. You were doing something. You were, be, you were accomplishing something. You were doing something to further the overall vision of the company that you worked for. Not just your department or your team, but you were doing something that furthered the, uh, the entire cause. Amen? The same is true for the church. Uh, When the church grows, people have spent days, weeks, uh, months, and years trying to build a foundation that is suitable for healthy growth. Uh, We will not grow fast overnight. There uh, there will be times where we grow faster than others. Uh, There will be times when it seems like we are only growing a little bit by little bit. Uh, But rest assured, the reason why we are seeing a lot of growth or the reason why why we are seeing just a little bit of growth is because for years, for weeks, for months, and for days, people have been faithfully serving the kingdom of God. And tonight, you ought to thank God that you are faithfully serving. You are faithfully serving. What God is doing in our church right now is because there are faithful saints on this pew who have caught the overall vision. And when you call it the overall vision, it doesn't matter if you sing, it doesn't matter if you teach a Sunday school class, it doesn't matter if you work a nursery, it doesn't matter if you open a door, it doesn't matter if you're not asked to do anything. You have the vision of the house, and I'm going to further the vision of the house. Because we are the body of Christ, and if I am weak, then the rest of us are weak. If you're a weak worshiper on the pew, you affect the strong worship on the stage. Sometimes we say, oh, well, the praise team just missed it. I agree. We have missed it a bunch of times. They have flopped. We have flopped more times than I can mention. But also, there's been a whole lot of times that there was some flop going on in the pews. It's not always the stage that's the, uh, that's the problem. It's not always it, it, it's not always that I preached a bad lesson or or, 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 or or spoke the wrong word. That is the case sometimes. Preachers do miss it. Singers do miss it. That is the case. But a lot of times it's that we didn't prepare our hearts to come into the house of God to receive what God had for us. I think that's why David said in Psalms, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That means when I'm entering into his gates, I'm already thankful. I'm already in a mindset of worship. When I pull onto the campus, when I back my sorry car out of my sorry driveway that I hate and I don't like it because it's not where we're supposed to live and it's not my dream home. We all have those feelings at times. Amen. Amen. Whenever I do that and I'm grumbling and me and the wife is fighting and the kids are acting horrible. They had a dirty diaper and it's just bad. 
bad and it stinks and it's just, just the day is bad. And then we get to church and we're just like, oh, I'm here. Let's sit down. No, that's not what God has commanded us to do. We are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with what? With praise. Be thankful unto him. And then what does it say? Bless his holy name. Have you ever blessed somebody and not had a thankful heart? No. You want to bless others because God has been good to you. One of the greatest things that I love doing is blessing others. And I've been blessed so many times, and I'm thankful for the blessings that God has poured out in my life and, and, the, people that, and the people that God has used to bless me and my family. But so many times, uh, 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 so many times, it's not really important that I'm being blessed, uh, and it's really not important that I'm being blessed by who I'm being blessed to. But so many times, it's not about my blessing, but it's someone else's thankful heart. That's why when someone blesses you, you should receive their blessing. It doesn't matter if it's small or if it's big. You don't want to take somebody else's thankful heart. If somebody feels like they should bless you or bless the house of God, let them do it. Because what they are doing is that is a form of worship. They are not worshiping you, but they realize that God has been so good to them. And they can not only bless the house of God, but they can bless the people that go to the same house with them. Number two, whoo, I'm sidetracked. Everybody say he's sidetracked. This is what happens when I don't preach in a long time. Number two, two truths to recognize in a growing life or a growing house of God, a growing church. When there is quick growth, significant effort is still required to ensure long-term results. You, You can graduate from college, land a good job, and immediately start making great money. But that does not mean that you have a stable career. That does not mean that you are successful. If your success is directly related to the amount of money on your paycheck, then that is not success. But success is formed over longevity. Success is formed over longevity. The same can be said of the church. We can grow rapidly, but if we do not continue to disciple and move people along in their relationship with Jesus, we are not building a church, but we are just gathering a herd of people. I don't want to be like an animal. I don't want to just be a part of a herd. Have you ever smelt a herd? Have you ever heard a herd? Have you ever tried to herd a herd? I don't imagine that's easy. The house of God is not supposed to be a stinky place. We're not supposed to be just a group of people that gather together. We're not supposed to be cultists. We're not supposed to be clannish. But we are supposed to be the living, breathing, moving arms and feet of Jesus Christ on this earth. We are to build the church of the living God, not the church of the living dead. That's why we are to be alive. That's why we are to be thankful and grateful and a worshiping people when we come into the house. It's 8.30. I must, 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 must hurry. There is no pathway to, uh, to rapid success in life, and there is no safe way to get rich quick. Has anybody ever tried that? Come on, somebody's tried to get rich quick once. You at least thought about it once. Uh, some churches continually search for a method of rapid success, uh, and this often leads uh, to confusion, and in extreme cases, it leads to self-deception. It leads to churches and pastors and leaders and saints uh, buying into false doctrine and turning their back on the, on biblical foundations that we're supposed to live our life on. Whether we grow slow, church, uh, hear me tonight, or whether we grow fast, uh, we are to 
continue living our life according to God's word. God's word is our GPS. God's word is our roadmap. Without the word of God, without living our life according to the word of God, we will never see heaven. Amen. Stand with me tonight. I have, I am only halfway through my notes, and I don't think you want to hear me go till 9.15. So we'll bring this thing down. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. How many is thankful that you're a part of a church where there's faithful people? Aren't you thankful that you're not the only faithful person here? I mean, come on. Some of you realize that before you ever got here tonight, there was people in the building vacuuming yesterday. There was somebody here this morning turning on air conditions, making sure that the bathrooms were clean, making sure that the trash was taken out. There was people here about half an hour before church, 45 minutes before church, uh, practicing music. There was people here before that making sure the sound and the projectors and the computers were turned on. There's people here making this happen. And I'm thankful that we are part of a church where the majority of the people have called on to the vision where if I'm going to be found in the body of Christ, I have to be moving and living and breathing. If you're not moving and living and breathing, what are you? You are dead. And I'm thankful that there's no dead people here on a Wednesday night. The dead people come on Sunday mornings. Amen. Elbow your neighbor and say he's not talking to you. Real quick, longevity is a major factor in a healthy church. We are seeing that take place before our very eyes. How many is thankful that you're a part of a church that's growing? Not just in number, but we're growing in years. The Great Commission is our why. I spoke about this a few minutes ago. The Great Commission is why we sing. It's why we teach. It's why we have bus ministry. It's why we do everything that we do. If you ask, well, I don't know why they did that song. Well, it's probably because it's going to tie in with the next song. It's going to tie in with the sermon. And the sermon's going to tie in with the altar call. And hopefully the altar call is going to tie into somebody getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Everything we do around here leads us directly to the blood of Jesus Christ, which is tied to the Great Commission. Distracted people are not persistent people. Everybody say distracted. We can't get distracted. We got to stay focused. Got to stay focused. We got to stay encouraged. It doesn't matter if they change up what you've been supposed to do. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if they pull you from this team and and put, and put you on that team. If you were supposed to teach this Sunday every month and now you're teaching the next Sunday every month, don't let that lose. Uh, 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 don't allow that to lose your focus. Nothing is more important than us staying focused on the prize. Being faithful to the house of God so that when kids walk into your Sunday school class, so that when adults walk into the sanctuary, we are prepared for them and we can meet them at their place of need. But much more than us meeting them, God can meet them. God can meet them. In closing, sometimes we may question why we do not see greater results. It's appropriate to examine our attitude, our motives, our principles, and our methods. How many people have seen a bad, adi- how many people have seen a bad attitude around the church? You've probably seen mine once or twice. I'll raise my hand. Everybody else is afraid to. That happens. We're people. It's life. But we have to forgive and we have to forget. We have to forget it, people. We have to go to heaven together. We have to, we have to forget that they are human. Because we want them to forget that we are a human too. And we make mistakes. Uh, offenses shall come, Scripture says. 
But what do you do when you're offended? Do you get above it? Do you stay focused on what really matters? Or do we come back down to this earthly, pesky, immature realm of where we just, well, this isn't happening like I want it to happen. Did you hear what she said? Did you see what they were wearing? Did you see that look? No, we've got to rise above that, people. We are living in a different kingdom. When we do not know what else to do, keep on doing what we know to do. Sometimes the answer is just in doing what we need to do. For him to, that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? It is sin. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. One last verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I planted Apollos. I planted, this is Paul talking, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase is everything. That's New King James English for get over it. It don't matter what you do or what they do, we are working together. Everybody say we're working together. We're going to be persistent.